If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hi, everyone. This is Erin, and I'm solo again today. Um, I'm a little bummed because I really enjoy the episodes that Nicole and I do together, so it makes me feel a little sad to be alone, but I absolutely love the topic that I'm discussing today. In fact, last weekend, I presented at the California Science Teachers Association Conference about storylines, specifically about student questions and storylines, and so today we are going to chat all about storylines. We will get to this concept of adding in student questions in a later episode, For today, we're going to focus on how you can build your own NGSS storyline. I want to start with a question that I got from the NGSS Newbies Facebook page. I was asked, are storylines different than phenomena, and do you introduce them at the same time? The easy answer is yes, they are different, but we never talk about one without the other, so this can get really tricky. The two are so interwoven that it can be difficult to tell them apart. So let's start by defining a storyline. A storyline is a coherent sequence of lessons that are designed to guide your students in their understanding of phenomena. Storylines are generally longer-term lesson sequences, but can really vary in length. Some people write a storyline to cover a unit, while other people have created a storyline for their entire school year. If you look at the California Framework for Science, there's a year-long storyline that they have provided for each grade level. I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so that you can see what these long storylines look like. One topic leads into the next topic, and each topic is cohesively linked. When frameworks like this were developed, they were created as a one-size-fits-all storyline. The purpose of using a storyline is to make connections to the real world that are meaningful to your students. And we don't all teach the same students. I think that Nicole did an amazing job of explaining this back in episode 12, how the NGSS can change your content. The standards are intentionally written so that you can make these meaningful connections for your students. The phenomenon is what drives the storyline and makes it meaningful for your students. If you go back and listen to episode seven, I talk about phenomena. It's important that your phenomena is engaging, relevant to student lives, and simple enough that it's figure outable. I also got a question about phenomena being too simple, and that can also be the case. You don't want your students to have the phenomenon figured out in the first five minutes. It needs to be something that they will have to work to understand. 
So let's talk about what you'll need in order to build a storyline. In order to create your storyline, you need to start with a performance expectation or a bundle of related performance expectations. You'll also need some kind of phenomenon, and hopefully it's an excellent phenomenon. I also like to have my objectives written out because I find that I'm a little twirly-brained and I can leave out some major components of the standards if I don't know exactly what I want my students to get. I use evidence statements to write my objectives to make sure that students are getting all of these components. I've created a YouTube video to show you how to write objectives using evidence statements, and I'll make sure to link to that as well. So I'm going to take a second and just talk about logistical things um, building your storyline. So for one, I like to use sticky notes when I'm building my storyline because I find myself making a lot of changes as I'm going. And if I were to write this out on a piece of paper or something like that, I would just be going through tons of paper um, because I just make so many changes. The other thing is, is that I like to have my storyline outline on something that can be put away because I find myself going back and making changes later. Um, and I don't necessarily want like sticky notes all over my living room all the time or all over my classroom. So I have a couple of different things that I've used that work well. So one is just like a piece of poster board that I can put away um, when I'm not working on that storyline. Um, the other thing is I have like a kid's whiteboard from Ikea that it's one of the ones with the chalkboard on the back. And I just fold that up and put it into the closet when I'm not working on it. And that works really well for me. As you're thinking about how I build this, I want you to think about the board that I'm using to create my storyline as a big frame. I put my um, anchoring phenomenon on the upper left-hand side of the frame on a sticky note. And then I put my objectives on the right side of the frame in what for me is a logical order for now. And that may change. So... I try to create lessons from left to right on the board in um, parallel horizontal lines from top to bottom on my board, moving through the storyline. So, um, so I'll go through one lesson sequence from left to right and then continue on the next line from left to right, if that makes any sense. It's really hard to explain how I do it on such a non-visual platform, but um, I'll try to make it work. So I'm going to give you an example of a storyline that I'm working on that has to do with the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, and it's far from perfect, so um, I don't want you to think that it's an exemplar of what you should be doing. Um, I want to use it as an example and also show you that it doesn't have to be perfect in order for you to share it with your students. My anchoring phenomenon is the fact that all the dinosaurs on the planet were wiped out by a single asteroid. And I might start by showing my students a short clip of a video that's explaining this idea, but I want to make sure it doesn't give too much away. The first objective that I might try to meet in the storyline is that students will use evidence from the fossil record to support the claim that all dinosaurs disappeared at once. I need to find a way to get my students to figure this out because in an NGSS classroom, we want our students to learn using a discovery approach to figuring out the disciplinary core ideas as often as possible. So there's this thing called the KT boundary, and it's a literal line that's found in rock strata all over the world. And below the line, we find all kinds of dinosaur fossils. And above the line, there isn't a single one. So this might be my investigative phenomenon for this particular lesson sequence. So I start by showing my students a picture of this line. And I tell them that this place exists in Colorado where you can go and see this weird line where there are dinosaur fossils below the line 
and there's zero dinosaur fossils above the line. And I kind of leave it at that. And I don't tell them that this line is kind of found everywhere in the world. I'm going to let them discover that component. There's this amazing website called the Paleobio database that you can use to actually pull graphs from the website so that students can see the number of fossils and types of fossils that were found in a given time period and a location. I like to pull a bunch of graphs from this website and provide it to students and have students look at the data and try to find some patterns. So I'm incorporating that cross-cutting concept of patterns into my lesson. And the graphs all look pretty different but they have this spot 65 million years ago where the data just drops off. We use a strategy that Nicole taught me, which is what I see, what it means. And we go through the graphs and we try to figure out what this data means. And we go through it until students feel pretty confident that there's a recognizable pattern. I have students present their evidence and write up the information about what they believe that the data means. And this is kind of an easy connection to make because we're not hanging out with dinosaurs Flintstone style. So the students know that the dinosaurs died out, but they can actually see that in the fossil record data. And that's pretty cool and pretty powerful for them. So what I did was build a sequence that allowed the students to really make sense of the information that was provided to them without me simply lecturing them on the dinosaurs and how they died out. And this might not be the best example because, as I said, we know that there aren't dinosaurs running around. So students kind of had the answer before they started, but now they understand how we know. And that was the piece that was really lacking. When it comes to building this out for yourself, like I said, I put those stickies with the objectives on the right in a logical order. The first objective was that students would use evidence from the fossil record to show that the dinosaurs died out pretty much all at once. I started with this piece because I find it to be most engaging because my students love dinosaurs. The next objective would probably be something about rock strata and relative dating. And my students would probably die of boredom if we started there. But now that they have this context, they're bought in and they're willing to work on something that's a little bit less engaging for them. After I have these objectives on the right, I start popping in things that I already have that is related to the content. So maybe I have like a rock layer lab or something like that. I also list out the science and engineering practices that are aligned with the performance expectations and maybe some other ones that relate. And I just start building out the storyline. I put questions that students might have or investigative phenomena on the left on the board. And I try to find ways that I can use those practices to get students from left to right in those parallel lines across the board. Sometimes that means reworking activities that are already written in order to make them more student-driven. And sometimes that means finding entirely new stuff. Like I said, I build these lessons in parallel horizontal lines from left to right on my board and look for gaps and start filling those in. These lines are my lesson sequences and they may resemble something like the 5e model. And I move things around until I feel pretty confident that I have a strong pathway to get students to discover the content. And to be honest, when I introduce these lesson sequences to my students, they're far from perfect. But every time that I teach a sequence, it gets better and better. Storylines take a long time to build, and I do a lot of reworking along the way and take note of what worked really well and what didn't. What only worked really well in my head, but once it got to the classroom, it completely fell apart and I make my storyline better next time. I also think it's important to note that if there's any way that you can do this with a team, I very highly suggest that you do that. 
Your storyline will be so much better if you have several minds working on it at once, and then you don't have to do all of this work on your own. I also want to give you permission to have a storyline that isn't all based on student discovery for now, because these instructional shifts are huge and very difficult to master. You can drive yourself totally crazy if you're trying to do all of this at once. I suggest starting small, maybe with a single performance expectation that you're going to teach next month, and try to build out a sequence that leads students on a discovery path to the best of your ability, and if it's not perfect, it's totally okay. I hope that this episode has given you some idea of how to build a storyline to use in your classroom. Make sure to tune in next week when Nicole talks about how to incorporate more exploration into your science class. New episodes of this podcast come out every Monday, so make sure that you're looking out for them and please subscribe. Also, thank you so much for those of you who have rated and reviewed this podcast. The more ratings and reviews that we have, the easier it will be for new listeners to discover us. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet, but you'd be willing to, we would appreciate it. And last, your questions are starting to trickle in and we absolutely love to hear them. We created this podcast to make the NGSS more accessible to you, so please keep sending us those questions. You can find us on Facebook at Teaching Science in 3D Podcast or on Instagram at Teaching Science underscore in 3D. You can also contact Nicole or I by looking at our websites. Mine is SadlerScience.com and hers is IExploreScience.com. Thanks for tuning in. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.